0: Lunch with Pippa Hudson. And now, Consumer Talk featuring Wendy Nola. Wendy is back with us in studio today. And uh, as I mentioned, two topics for us to start with. We're taking a look at car rental contracts and some of the small print you really ought to be reading. And then we're going to follow up on a specific listener question that came through last week, but one which speaks to a a fairly recurring uh, question around how safe tap-and-go cards actually are. Do the fraud and theft stacks uh, support the commonly held view that they're more vulnerable to misuse than those that always require a pin? We'll find out a little bit later in the show. Just a reminder that if you want to join in, uh, you can call us on 0214460567 or send a voice note to 0725671567. Welcome, Wendy.
1: Hi, Pippa. Good to be with you.
0: So uh, you, you referenced the very tongue-in-cheek saying, what's the difference between a 4x4 four four and a rental car? In a rental car, you can go anywhere. It's, it's sort of said as a throwaway, pointing to the fact that people don't always t- take very good care of the rental cars yes. they're driving. And uh, it's certainly not true, Wendy. And you want to point us to the terms and conditions that tell us it's not true.
1: Exactly. So, yeah, um, look, as I always say, people don't write to me to tell me what a fabulous experience they had with a car rental i i get the emails when things have gone horribly wrong and i've got a lot of them over the years and i think um human nature being what it is um most people it's fair to say will not have read the terms and conditions before either when they're booking or when they actually collect the car and i think um i'm sorry car rental industry but i think if they did They would. They might come to the conclusion that the risk was far too great, or they would continue um, feeling they don't really have any other viable options, but with great um, (laughs) anxiety and care, or whatever. Well, that's the thing. You. It's not always an option. But um, I. I, Okay. So let me let me let me get into the nitty gritty of why I'm saying this. So, for example, most car rental contracts state that if you take the rental car's tires off tar and you have an accident, you're responsible for any loss, theft, or damage to the car in full, no matter what waiver you've decided to buy. So
0: even if you bought the expensive insurance option, if you took the car off the tar... The first thing is it's
1: not insurance. So the car rental industry is what they call self-insured. And what they do is they limit their customers' financial vulnerability if something should go wrong by means of a waiver system so you can choose between standard waivers or the much more expensive super waivers um, which limit your liability for costs uh, for you know if there's damage theft or loss of the car as well as uh, damage caused by a third party Um, and that's important a third party car involved in an accident regardless of who is to blame but but there are a lot of exclusions to those waivers. So uh, under certain circumstances, and one of them is taking the car... Off-road. Off-road. Now, do you remember around September, October last year, I took a week off and went to visit my daughter who was working oh, in a game bush, resort yes. in the bush near Kruger, um, hired um, a vehicle from... to Joburg and hired a vehicle from there. And um, I was interested to see... Um, was I said to the woman you know we're going to go probably into Kruger and all good whatever and I wanted to see if she would volunteer this off-road thing because there was a bit of it and it didn't come up sure. so you really do have to read the terms and conditions to know the risks
0: so did you actually ask her if, if, is it all right right for me to take this car well, then
1: she no. volunteered it but okay. she well then she answered me she said well it doesn't the exclusions that it, and, I, and I said but only when you prompted her yes
0: yeah which should have been okay declared up front. That's interesting.
1: So, I uh, oh no, how it went to something like yes, It's okay to take a crew, whatever you know. It's it's within the borders. You need special permission if you're taking the car outside of South Africa, which is understandable. Yeah. And then I said, but uh, the waivers. What about the waivers? And then she said, uh, yeah, dirt road. And I said, well, don't you think you should have warned me of that? Instead of waiting for me to specifically ask about Detroit, yeah, it was that kind of conversation. Sure, these company people hate me because <laughs> 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 I know all the pitfalls. Thanks to all the people that have shared their experiences with yeah. me over the years. So, okay, so that's that's the first thing. Um, so, so yes, as you say, there is a there is a, a widely held misconception that. Um, when you people call it um, insurance it's actually this waiver system and they think well um, I'm covered covered although the vast majority of people stick with the standard waiver which is what is the default on a contract Yes, and then it's up to you to actually choose the super waiver But it is a lot more Um, it is a lot more and it can add considerably to the total cost of your car I I obviously given my line of work always take it but as I say the real uh, devil in the small print is what circumstances neither waiver will, would, apply. would
0: apply to so um, okay so this is really what we want to flag that there are a set of circumstances in which even if you took the more expensive option um, it doesn't matter what ha- uh, what cover you thought you'd opted into if you behaved in a certain way with the car it's all null and void and that can be catastrophic in its financial consequences Wendy you've already mentioned going off tar uh, okay. let's start there
1: Okay, so so yes, so um, it depends on the contract. Um, Some say that the the waivers don't apply at all. Um, Others, you know, will make you um, say um, say double, pay double the waiver, that kind of thing. But it's it's a lot more expensive. And speaking of the waivers, with a standard waiver on a sort of standard car, you're looking at still being liable for around eighteen, ninety thousand, nineteen thousand on a budget car. Um, if you pay um, for the super waiver, much more expensive, um, you could uh, you're looking at more like four and a half thousand. So it's sort of a quarter much Obviously much less, so but of course more you pay more for the
0: waiver, but you yes. get, get a lot more. Okay. Cover. okay,
1: so 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 there's going off tar. Um, there is, um, or and, and some even say any unsuitable road, and that's quite um, open Gosh, to interpretation. hang
0: on a second. An unsuitable South road Africa, is actually every road yes, in exactly. at the moment. I mean, yeah. how do you quantify that?
1: Damage caused by water. So if you drive uh, flooding that, and you drive yeah. through um, a, a pool of water, dust storms, potholes, any damage to the cars, undercarriage, not reporting an accident or theft to the company in time, so you must always look at that. One of them is you've got to report it within three hours. Oh my goodness. I know. What if there's load shedding and you can't get through? Yeah. Once you've sort of dealt with the accident itself, you're already probably forty five minutes to an hour in. and if you then hit a two and a half hour load shedding period. What you yeah. yeah. I mean they'll say, look, we, we apply our discretion and da, da, da but but the point is we need to know what's in the what in damage the this small yeah. print can do to us. Um in the case of Dollar Thrifty, they make their customers liable for double the excess payable to on the standard waiver. So you're looking at around forty thousand rand on ab- on average. If the if the client is in an accident and the car is a write off, if the car is involved in a single vehicle accident, that means there's no contact or di- direct involvement with another vehicle. Mm-hmm. So you hit a the centre uh, barrier in a, on a freeway, you bang and to a tree, whatever. Something that doesn't involve yes, another driver, in other exactly. words. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, or if the car was stolen or hijacked. Wow. So the car, you, you're a victim of a hijacking. You're in for double the standard waiver.
0: Now, interesting that you know so these are terms from Dollar Thrifty. I've just this minute received an email from Alan in Belleville, uh, Wendy. Yes. Uh, saying I'd like to share a very annoying experience I had with Dollar Thrifty in Vintuk about a month ago. Uh, Alan says, I paid for the extra windscreen and tyre damage waiver at approximately 750 rand for the three days I was using the car and sure enough woke up on the second morning to find a flat tyre in Swakopmund. I called the call centre who advised me to pay for the repair or replacement at any tyre dealer and they would refund me. 1,800 rand and almost a month later and I have been totally ignored except for one email stating that they were sorry for the delay, but that payment would be made ASAP and it's now a month later and he still hasn't wow. received any payment.
1: Uh, he's welcome to email me about that.
0: Well, I've got his mail off. I'll, I'll don't forward it to, yeah. to
1: me. Um And the other thing about that, and it happened to a colleague of ours a yeah. couple of years ago before lockdown, is that... um they took out that extra, she and her fiance took out that extra cover on wheels and whatever, but it didn't cover rims.
0: Oh gosh. Um,
1: sorry, the rubber. No, part. it didn't cover, sorry, I think it was wheel covers. It was mm-hmm. a budget car with a wheel, and those were stolen. No, sorry, the policy doesn't cover that. So only there again. The tire. Yes. Wow. So there again, check. You've got to check this forward. Paid the extra 700 or whatever it was, and still we're out of pocket. We're still out of pocket.
0: No, I mean, I mean, things like that, that extra windscreen cover or the tire, I mean, sometimes they're very small amounts, Wendy. It's only like 20 Rand or something like that. You really that to should add take it. On. Uh, that, to me, feels like a risk worth taking. Absolutely. To have that sort of cover. But it's. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure a lot of listeners will be surprised as I was by that thinking if your car was stolen or hijacked, well, sorry for you. Um, it's not necessarily all covered. Um, then other contracts will cancel the waiver if there's been an accident or damage, as you said, that there was no physical contact exactly. with, with another so, vehicle.
1: So I was just thinking, think about your car catching fire in the case of what we saw a few years ago with the, the Ford Cougars or yeah. a hailstorm. I've had a few of those cases. Yeah. Um, you pay for the full cost of the repair. Um, so imagine also um, if you're... Uh, cheap little budget car was sandwiched in between a minor, even a minor freeway fender bender um, damage to the rentals front and back. yes, you would be covered because that's other vehicles, but you're in for minimum four and a half wow. thousand rand which would be well, I suppose in some people's cases that would be what you would pay in your own car for your own um uh, excess yeah but um if sorry. You'd be in for a lot more unless you've got the super waiver. the yes. super waiver, it would be about four and a half. If you weren't, you're looking at close to 20,000 Rand, oh, okay. which is a risk that most people who have car insurance wouldn't sort of cho- choose to take, take I don't think. Yeah. yeah. Um, then uh, it gets more serious. If you're found to have been speeding, ignoring road signs, or driving under the influence, you're also liable for the full cost of repairing or replacing the car in most cases. Not,
0: okay. So that, that to me makes, from sort of a legal hat perspective, that makes sense. If you, yes. go, you were disobeying the law and as a result the vehicle inc- incurred damage, yep. then the liability the is But how many you? of
1: us go over 120 on occasion on a freeway well, in our own cars? Well, this is one
0: of the cases you've been dealing with, yes. Wendy, from, uh, from from KZN. Yes. I I, I must confess
1: that I um, my deadlines didn't move, but I had two full production days short, which means that companies... Uh, there's no chance of responses from on fr- Friday and Monday, weekend, yes. which is right into my prep time. So I'm not going to name the company um, because, because I haven't. Had a I haven't to reply. Yes, yeah, but okay. but it, this is typical, not typical. I have a few of these people write to me when they're severely out of pocket and and um, very very cross. So this chap hired a car from the Durban depot, depot of a national car rental company in late January. He unfortunately, he didn't say what happened to the dog, but he unfortunately hit a dog on the N2 oh. In other words, a single car accident while speeding. Oi. Um, I don't know how badly he was speeding, but he was over the 120 uh, Ks uh, an, an hour, an hour limit. He, and this is where it gets murky and where, where the, my area of, the uh, i focus on for investigation is he waited for an hour for the company to send help. And he didn't feel he was in a very sort of secure area, not well lit, obviously in the evening. So when he, when, when no help arrived, he opted to drive the car another two kilometres to a safer, better lit area. Again, not the most. I mean, people don't have dogs every day, but I mean, it's not the most um, outlandish sort of scenario. Scenario. Yeah. Um, so the company claims he caused more damage to the engine by doing that, and incidentally, this I get a lot of this cropping up in insurance claims, where the insurer will say, "Why did you carry on driving the car?" You were, were repudiating the claim because actually you caused this but damage, the damage we're, by we're, driving on yes. it. Yes.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: um, and they're saying so. So that caused the damage, the car to be a write-off. In other words, beyond economic repair, um, and. And the fact that he was, um, yeah, says so the speeding, and the uh, and the fact that he caused what they call consequential damage, um, the total amount being claimed for him is three, just over three hundred thousand rand. Three hundred wow. oh, thousand rand. Wow, replacement
0: of a car that's exactly, right off. yeah,
1: sure. So. Yeah, I mean, thinking about this, it's true that about two-thirds of the cars on South Africa's roads are not insured. And so, obviously, those motorists take risks every day, especially if they don't, you know, the ones that don't even have third-party insurance. But if you're hiring a car from a rental company, it's going to be almost new, so the value will be fairly high. high. Um, And when you think that regardless of what you're paying extra in waivers to minimize what you could be in for financially if something went wrong... um, you know, this is a look at the, in the case of that 300,000 Rand. I mean, it, it is a massive, massive risk. And as I said, I don't know how many people who are among that third of motorists who do insure their cars, yeah, want to um, reduce their risks of you know, of, of being financially crippled by an accident. Um, yeah, I just think, uh, I don't know, the, the car rental companies were not like this at all, but I think. It's I'm a a consumer journalist. I have to tell people to read the small print. And if you read the small print of a rental contract and you consider the stuff that goes on on South African roads uh, and you're not among those it'll never happen to me kind of people, Hmm. then, you know, you just must make uh, an informed choice. Know what the risks are. Know what you're in for. And then decide, well, it's a risk I'm willing to take or make another plan to get from A to B. Because I get... I get a lot a lot of these stories where and of course, it's just you would have no control over who's repairing the car they have the right they Send assume it the where right yes yeah. Yeah, so um you know you they just say this is the quote, this is what it came to, and they Play have up. access, yeah,
0: yeah sure, three hundred thousand rand, okay, sure. Wendy, let us know what becomes of that claim. I'd be interested to hear about that argument that the the person by carrying on driving another two kilometers down the road is, is yes, liable. Yes, I'm is going that. to That's follow. The bit on, I'd be interested to hear. Yes, yeah. because
1: had had he got, I mean, I think He's waiting were, over an hour in a place where he didn't feel safe
0: is that a reasonable expectation in South Africa? Yeah.
1: Um, it's it's I would say it. it it's taking on risks of most people would yeah. move would have moved the car. Yeah. so if I could get that 300,000 down a bit um, that well that's my aim I don't, I mean, obviously he's going to be liable for a lot of it but he was okay. speeding, he admits he was speeding
0: To be continued on that one, the last thing we need to talk about is the checking of the vehicle when you return it. And we've got a WhatsApp that's just come in on that that. subject. Wendy, I'm looking at the clock though. We're about to go to news. So what I'm going to do is just hold hold there for now. And after 2.30, the person who sent that message about the the invoice you've just received for damage that wasn't there when you handed in the car, we'll get back to that part of the conversation. If anybody else listening has had recent experience with a claim on a rental car that surprised you or shocked you or where you were held liable for something you thought really should have been covered because of the waivers that you'd taken out. We'd love to hear from you. The one thing we haven't spoken about yet, Wendy, we've spoken about the waivers that you take out before you drive off in the car. We haven't spoken about the importance of checking the car and doing a proper walk around when you return the vehicle. And here's the reason why it's necessary. Hi, Pippa. We recently got an invoice from Europe Car for 5,200 Rand for two tiny dents on the rental car roof and door. The thing is, upon return, we checked the vehicle thoroughly with their employee numerous times before handing it back. They claim it was unseen when returned. Any advice? Oh, I would say, nice try far, exactly.
1: I've covered so many of these, and that's why I put it in the prep to yeah. talk about because it's the it's the scenario that um, I get written about. That sounds terrible. It's the scenario which people write to, about, to write you, to advice. me about yes. the most when it comes to car rental. Yes, so so certainly in that case. Um, I mean, I would always say, don't just dump and run because um you need to be sure um and have a conversation with the person that says this was here and it wasn't here with the when you checked the when car out. out yeah um if if you but so if this this listener did the checks and nothing was found by them or the other person well, I'm sorry the the risk is theirs that the, I mean, yeah.
0: if your employee walked around the car and didn't note damage, you can't turn around. No. days later and say there was damage because it could have yeah. happened as
1: the car was driven around the corner Exactly. or the next yeah. rental, it is not okay, that is a taking a massive chance 5,200 Rand, okay sure. so here's the advice, Yeah. before it starts before you, yes before, no, just you just made to say? me
0: remember my last, I haven't rented a car in years Wendy but the last time I did I filled it up with petrol before I returned it and they charged me yeah. for a tank of petrol and I was able to send them my slip to say there is the petrol station at the airport please note the time, 5 minutes before I returned the car, try again
1: And a bit of admin Um, on your part, unnecessarily so. But, yeah, I had
0: the proof with me to show it. In a case like this, you know, you've got a document that you sign um, to say that you've returned the car in and that the inspection's been done. But I always say take anything
1: you sign and you don't get a copy, take a photograph with your phone so that you have proof of what was agreed to at the time. So it starts when you take the car. Um, Don't assume... That you know, they'll give you a little thing, and then a couple of crosses. They might mark a little dent or scratch. Don't assume that that's everything. So be that annoying person that I always am because I've had so many of these yep. cases. Um, avoid t- taking the car um, in bad light. So in winter, it's quite hard if you're going on business and you for early the next morning and you're arriving in the in the evening, late afternoon. It's quite dark. Yeah. Um, you can miss a lot. But then use the again. Use your phone. Use the the, the flashlight, the torch on your phone, and have a good look. I have on several occasions more than not found extra things that weren't on it take allow the time for this because it's less time and effort than trying to fight it afterwards so so do that check thoroughly stand on the on the dorsals and look at the roof Okay. Because I've had people um um who have been charged for hail damage that they Gosh, swear okay, wasn't, wasn't there. Yeah. I only I won one of those cases by actually getting a meteorological report and saying there was no hail in that area wow. anywhere in that week. No, I mean it's
0: ridiculous. This is the lengths you go to, yes. sure. Okay. So
1: So do that and um, you'll find in some contracts, um, I think last time I did a story in this, Bidvest, Bid that's a big rental company's contract, states, the onus is on you to inspect the vehicle immediately upon delivery to ensure that the vehicle is free of any defects and is not damaged and or scratched. They actually tell you to do that. Yeah. Um, Hertz's contract requires customers to ferry it around in the boot as well and goes as far as making sure that the jack works. I mean, really? Or
0: <laughs> that the spare wheel is there. Peter, yes, is That's, this, that's uh, easier said th- than Peter. The, done in the jack. Okay. Okay, somebody messaging me to say make sure your car actually has a spare wheel. Yes, very good advice. I had to pay three and a half thousand rand for a wheel that wasn't in the boot when I returned a car to Avis. I've had that a couple
1: of times too. So that's, yes, I should have added that to my advice. I've done so now. Um, And then, of course, when dropping the car off, don't just drop and run. Uh, Make sure that the person comes to you with the clipboard and um, I always say... um, Can you please sign? Everything's in order. And then I take a photograph with my phone. As I say, I'm only that um, astute because of the cases that I've dealt over many years.
0: When it's so important to add, I mean, so often you're returning the rental car to the airport with one eye on the clock trying to catch a flight. Leave the extra half an hour earlier that you've got time to do this and not be under pressure. Because the pressure to get to your flight might end up costing you hundreds of thousands of yeah, sure. Okay, so make sure take photographs, take photos of the signed form, and all of that. A uh, couple of other people mailing in here. Peter saying, simply put, if you look after a rental the way you could reasonably be expected to look after your own car, you should have no trouble taking responsibility for a rental. But
1: no, I think it's sorry with respect.
0: Not if, if you, all of this is hidden in the fine print. It, there's
1: a lot of stuff you couldn't hailstorms. um, hail storms, um, yeah. um, um uh, What do you call it? A pile up on the freeway, um, the pothole. I mean, these things catch the best of us, the most cautious of us, sooner or later. And um, the point is that you're at so much more risk than you are than with you your own insurance policy. Yes, yeah. it's not the same. And people assume assume that it is oh I've got the waiver it's fine and I want and my point is to say there's lots of things that cancel the waiver out that you out, bought, that you bought your yeah. expensive waiver
0: So this is an interesting question anonymous saying the rules are lengthy am I entitled to ask for a rental contract before I rent the car so I've got yes. time to digest them It's all
1: on the. All of them have them on their websites you might yeah. find them quite hard to find some of them have them in very pale little
0: <laughs> font, font oh, right word. at the
1: very bottom it's normally right at the very bottom something like terms and conditions um Uh, what else do they call them? Um, Yeah, sometimes it's under FAQs, but mostly it's the... It's the hardest to find and the longest to read, but that always tells you it's that's the most important, important thing to read, yeah. that you must
0: read. Well, here's an email that I think will uh, make your heart sing. Justice emailing me to say, I owe my little victory over a rental company to following your consumer talk oh, program. Yay. Thank you, Justice. Similar to the other listener you just mentioned, I took the windscreen and tire waiver on a trip to Durban and the hubcaps to my vehicle were promptly stolen. I reported the matter timelessly to both police and the rental company. They charged an extortionate fee of around 3,000 rand to replace the hubcaps. And at that point, I had already registered my objections that the language of the so-called waiver seemed to suggest that the theft of the hubcaps would be covered. I was unrelenting in contacting the rental company until they caved and refunded the replacement fees into my credit card. The GM of the company grudgingly agreed that their legal department would look into the wording of their so-called insurance. And he's actually sent us that communication, Wendy, uh, which would be interesting uh, for you to read. Please yeah. Yes, thank um, you for yeah,
1: that He's saying, back. i forwarded
0: this in case Wendy finds parallels to other consumers who've been incorrectly denied cover that it was implied they had. Very hmm. interesting. Well, Justice, well done for not rolling over and caving and thank yeah. you for letting us know the feedback on that, that one
1: that other case that i covered there specifically did exclude i don't know what the wording was but the the, the theft of this case was with the wheel covers on a budget car and yeah. they it
0: was it, specifically yes exclusively excluded, excluded. Okay. so
1: that's still it's probably the most likely thing to happen i don't know if it's more likely than going through a pothole and Having yeah. a, I don't know what's more likely, but it, it happens a lot that those, you just have to look at those little budget cars on the road to see how many of the covers are missing.
0: Oi, okay. Yeah. Very interesting talk. Thank you, Waini. Some very important uh, reminders there. And uh, we're going to take a short break and uh, come back with the, the update on the tap and go cards. But if you'd like to continue contributing with your experiences on the car rental contracts, we're happy to take more of those uh, WhatsApps as well. You can send a voice note to 0725671567. Cape Talk. Consumer Talk. WhatsApp on 072-567-1567. Right, just before we move on to the tap-and-go cards, we've got a caller in uh, on the line from Retreat with a question about car rental contracts. Sydney, good afternoon. Thank you, good afternoon. Thank you, Wendy. Briefly, I just need to know that something do go wrong and happen with a car that you rented. Um, are they supposed to send you three quotations and also are you allowed to get your own quotation? Uh, thank you. Thanks for the very important question, Sydney. So, I mean, Wendy, you you referenced earlier they'll 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 hit you with the damages. Are you allowed to challenge those damages no. and get an, another assessment? Or
1: no, they no. they they. I've seen I've had a few cases where the person said that is an outrageous fee, whatever, and they they say we use we have to um, you know, maintain the integrity of our fleet and da da da, and we use only these basically tried and trusted service Surprise, providers yeah. and that's it mate. And and plus um, there's also um, fees you have to pay for on top of that, which is also in the contracts around the administration of the claim and all of that. Um, same goes if you get a traffic fine. There's mm. quite a hefty, Additional fee that that you are levied for. I mean, I asked them to break it down once, and it literally included opening the envelope that the fine came in from the traffic department, and it 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 sort of was like 18 points because it was forget the a couple of hundred rand, which certainly adds to your liability. Anyway,
0: Okay, and then one more question uh, from Brendan. Is the car company compelled to actually fix the dent or ding if they charge the renter for the damage? Should we request proof of the repair and the costs thereof? Yes,
1: I would certainly say that you're entitled to that if you're paying for the hold-on lot. Yes.
0: Okay. And then one more. Anonymous saying our rental company wanted to charge us for scratches on the car after we'd handed it back. My husband demanded the name of the next driver to rent the car, but the company said they would call him. It turned out he had scratched the car and he'd even told the company he had paid for the damage. <gasps> what an outrage. One has to be one step ahead. That's yeah, just a Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Sure. Please forward okay. that to me
1: as well because these are all nice case studies, examples to add to the next sort of piece we do on this. You know, yeah. People learn by, the, by so, stories. So that was an
0: anonymous WhatsApp. Anonymous, you said uh, that if you feel like taking the few minutes to pop it down in writing as an email, it would be helpful ammunition for Wendy going forward as a case study. It's entirely up to you. If you'd rather remain anonymous, that's fine. But if you do feel up to sending an email, uh, my address is pippah.capetalk.co.za and uh, I'll gladly pass it and on I to her. And I won't name him or him. Her or the, it, it's, the, yeah. it's just the information that I'm interested in. Okay. Stephen and Neisner saying, I took a rental back to the company and filled it up at the service station at the airport. They later added 160 Rand to my account Same and told me they took the car back to the station to top the tank up. Mm. I refused to accept the charge and I suspect there was a little scam going on uh, among the staff, perhaps siphoning the fuel back into their own containers. Hadn't thought of that. He says, they did in the end, though, credit me without comment. Well, Stephen, as I, as I just relayed, I had exactly the same experience and I got my money um, uh, back in the end, but it did take quite a while. But, yes. Okay. Okay. Um, Right. We must talk about the tap and go cards, Wendy, because it's an important one and I've had several people sending me emails hearing we were talking about it uh, who are wanting all basically a variation of the same thing. Uh, So the background is this. Last week we got a message from a listener who was concerned about the tap and go cards uh, saying that if somebody steals them they can go on a spending spree because they don't need a pin to use that card. And in the particular case they shared with us it was quite an extreme example because the owner of the card was actually overseas when this happened. They wrote, please ask Wendy to check with the Standard Bank Credit Card Division what protection they have with the card tap facility. My friend's card was used 50 times in less than an hour at the same vendor for the same amount of 500 rand each time. He was out of the company and didn't have his mobile with him, so he didn't see the SMSs, and the bank is denying any liability. Uh, It's never been used like this before, so the usage was totally out of the usual pattern. Wendy, a lot of people live with the perception that this is a very unsafe yes. kind of card and that they're at heightened risk of, of being targeted because okay. of the tap-and-go function. Is it a fair assumption? All
1: right, I'm going to have to summarise because I've got far more prep than the time will allow for. Yeah, But I should start by saying I don't get a lot of those, hardly any. Okay. Um, and the, the most recent one I got was a couple of years ago and the bank had said, no, we're not paying, and then... They reversed their decision said they hadn't looked at it properly, and the woman got her money back, which she was okay. very grateful for um It was also quite a um, quite effusive tapping, so it was something like five thousand rand or Oi. something like okay. that yes um so when the skepticism around the cards was very strong was around four years ago. I remember us talking about yes, this the on time. the show yeah. um and there were those scary videos doing the rounds about how someone you know it's a it's it's a radio frequency i d Card, scanner. excuse me, scanner, oh. and they're just by sidling up to you. They could, if they had a hand-held little scanner thing. They could get all the information on your card and go on a spending spree. Well, and there were people selling. There still are these um, special wallets. Um, RFID uh, blocking wallets and purses to stop criminals from doing that it's not a thing it's been completely universally debunked, debunked. Yeah. that's not your risk um, th- there's no ways that, that all that information uh, can be gained by doing that but what where the risk does lie is obviously in order to make it's called we call it tap and go contactless banking is what yeah. the banks call it it's all about quick easy you don't need to put your, your pin in and um, You you know just tap in it and it's done. All banks first of all to limit the risk. It's only for. In the case of Absa Bank, it's for uh, transactions less than 500 rand. Other banks have similar um, levels, so they can't go off and tap, you know, a new TV or something yeah. like that, right? Yeah. Um, so it's for small amounts. Also, even for small amounts, there is, and I've had this experience myself. Just randomly, even though it's under 500 rand or whatever, you do the limit is, you get asked They for just, time. and so the so the fraudsters um, are less inclined, you know. It's it's they don't know when that's going to happen. It's low amounts. And whatever. But this... So, right. So, I went to all the banks to ask them. As I say, I've had this two public holiday stories um, in the in the work week, in the last week. And so I haven't heard from all of them. Ned Bank promised me at the beginning of the show that still have something for me in time, but hasn't arrived yet. Absa did um, answer and said, um, well, uh, that fraud is uh, very low incident. I'm mm-hmm. just trying to find my
0: notes. Um, whereas, this is right. uh, Kovac Fox, their managing yes, executive Kovac, spoke to you. Thank yeah thank you.
1: The exa- managing executive of Everyday Banking, Absa Retail and Business Bank said um, that uh, minimal Was his words. Um, and I asked what the uptake was now. He said um, install contactless card volumes for debit and credit cards increased by about 230 Percent in the last year transactional value rose by 180% um, overall percentage for ABSA in the month of March was 47% so getting close to half half would tap and go and, and the other half, half still inserting the cards or swiping it or whatever they're doing their limit is 500 Rand as I said he said there's also been huge uptake for other forms of um, contactless payment QR payments Apple Pay Garmin Pay Fitbit Pay Samsung Pay all of which have been rolling out in the last four years, um, and he says contactless bank payments are very secure provided the consumer's bank has considered the risks, which are unique, unique depending on the nature of the contactless payments. Um, he said they they feel that the security is strong, um, and. It's a fraudster can't get hold of a point of sale device and just go tap, 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 tap. It has to be registered with the Payments Association of South Africa. So there are some checks and balances there. But of course, I would imagine in the case of our listener, um, when he was overseas and that card being tapped how many times did he say it's, uh, yeah it's, it was multiple, it's times. multiple multiple 50 times an I hour. would say that the merchant who, who who had that bona fide point of sale Must machine in was not on it yeah and there is obviously we know that that's that's a thing um
0: the Can most, I just jump yes. in, sorry, quickly, because uh, obviously the people who are promoting the cards are going to want to sell you the best news story. But, Wendy, we do have a neutral view here because you did go to the Ombud for Banking Services and ask if they were receiving a lot of complaints from people who've been defrauded by someone using their tap and go card. Um, what did the Ombud actually say to you?
1: Okay, so, sorry, I'm all
0: over with my, <laughs> <In> my notes. <laughs> so I've jumped back to the middle of page five in our, in our okay, precursor right. notes, Wendy. Thank you thank spoke you. to er- yes. Edric Betendorf. I
1: did, Edric Bet- is a, is fantastic with statistics. He's the wonderful banking services um, manager of data, information, and ops. So he should be. He says um, we, it's not a huge source of complaints, even though they don't uh, so much that they don't have a separate category for it. But speaking to his adjudicating colleagues, he said in the past year we've dealt with about twenty to thirty complaints. So that in itself will tell you these are people who would have been defrauded. Um, and complain to the bank and f- sorry, via down. someone using and being yeah. turned down, then they go to the Ombudsman. Um
0: so two a month. Basically.
1: On average I yeah. suppose. So yeah. not it doesn't indicate it being a massive problem. Um he says we've never received a complaint where tap and go was used without the card being stolen and in possession of the criminal. So that puts to bed that whole conspiracy theory about them being able to just get your your details, details off your card scanner. by being yeah. in your in your vicinity. Um he says, "We when we take up these complaints, we consider, was the complainant aware of of that this tap-and-go facility was on their card and how it worked? Um, did they What were the bank's terms and conditions around this functionality? And what were the limits? So, as, as we've heard in the case of ABSET, it was 500 rand. And then he said something very interesting, and it came too late for me to um, f- actually find out from each of the bank's which one it was but he says we are of the view and and consumers I'm sure would agree with this that customers should be able to deactivate this facility if they don't
0: want it. That is so that is the question I've been asked by about four people while we've been on Air Weenie saying I don't want it how do I make my bank turn it off?
1: Okay, so he says we are currently in talks with one specific bank, which is advised that this facility cannot be deactivated. We can elaborate on this at a later stage. So I don't know one which one it is, no. and they, quite rightly they they at this. The, the Umber doesn't audit this stage to say which it is, but that is interesting, and I will most definitely come back with that I'd be next week. Yeah, because um, consumer pressure needs to be brought. To bear because, as you say, there is a risk. If you are happy with the fact that it's a low risk and, and that the convenience trumps that any risk, in that your, fine in your your a yeah, then out. that's fine. And if you really don't want it, you should be able to say, I don't want it. So that's a good one. But um, the few t- minutes we've got left, uh, Edok did share a very interesting case study. The bank's yeah. not named, but a customer had lost 400 Rand a via a tap and go card. First tap, 100, second tap, um uh, sorry, two amounts of a hundred and one of two hundred. And um the OBS ruled in favor of the bank because the fraud was reported. She had lost the card.
0: Oh. as
1: it wasn't reported for a while. And she only realized when when the she got saw this these, these the four hundred Rand, the transactions right. And the and the OBS, the Umbud said um the the frauds were reported way after the tra- transactions took place and the bank was not in a position to prevent the loss in accordance with the bank's terms and conditions should your card be lost or stolen you are required to immediately notify the bank so there's a good tip if in whatever the circumstances mm-hmm. are tap and go or not you really must make that notification we've spoken we've about, spoken this, about recently. this last week
0: that the time the clock starts from the minute you make that phone call everything really?
1: after that yeah. um, time so have, have that your, your card gets snatched or whatever make that call um, and and uh, what was the other thing I wanted to say? Yes. So mainly that, that, that um the onus is on you. Um uh, what I wanted to say was in the, the case that that prompted this discussion um around that multiple tapping while the person was overseas, they wouldn't have been in a position to do it. Yeah. And I think that's an extenuating circumstances and given the amount involved, I would and very that was much such an obvious yes. unusual pattern of
0: expense. Yes. yes. I,
1: I would very much like to Investigate that with the bank and see what can happen there. But the to be con- the other to be continued, and it's a big one. Yeah, is which bank
0: allows you to turn and- it off and which doesn't? Yeah, yeah. So look, the person who sent us that message about your car, your friend and his unfortunate experience while he was out of the country, it came through as an, an anonymous WhatsApp. So we don't know who you are or who your friend is. If you would like to tell them. Uh, that Wendy is prepared to dig into that case on their behalf. You are very welcome to connect us. Uh, The easiest thing to do is probably to email me on at capetalk.co.za and connect us and Wendy will gladly look into that. Um, I can leave you with some uh, little degree of good news that load shedding is being scaled back to stage 3 as of 10 o'clock tonight. will remain in force until Friday as ESCOM works on returning more units to service. That is the breaking news. Load shedding goes back to stage 3 at 10 PM and Wendy perhaps we could add that um, if anybody listening has had the experience of asking your bank to disconnect the tap and go functionality and would like to let us know what they told you I am open to those emails as well H uh, at capetalk.co.za uh, it sounds by by the reading of what the ombuds said it sounds like there's one that says no we don't do it. And they don't feel
1: that that's okay. And that's a, a yeah. very that it it's are doing it though. Yes to it me. does. Yeah. It does. So that's you know um ask your bank if you don't want it. Um ask for it to be if you, I mean if you're not using it anyway you might as well reduce your risk on that. Um, and, uh, yes, definitely
0: to be continued next week. Okay, thanks for that. Wendy, as always, thanks for the work you do on behalf of our consumers and uh, chat again next week, Wednesday. You can reach out to Wendy on consumer at nola.co.zs, spelled K-N-O-W-L-E-R, or look for her on Facebook, Wendy Nola Consumer.